Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode 73 of Believe in Betting LA. We are totally through now with the National Football League season. There is FCS football, which we'll talk about at some point in the spring, but we are moving on to basketball season. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713. And joined, as always, my co-host, Chris Lewert. He's on Twitter at Rock, and of course, he is not sleeping very much, so we're Happy to have any of Chris's times. He, he did have a, a big win, a big day on Super Bowl Sunday, so he will take his victory lap when we get there. We're also, of course, going to talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. They play this evening. We're recording right now, early afternoon, Sunday, February 14th. Of course, that is Valentine's Day, so thanks for hanging out with us. We won't be your Valentine, but we will hopefully give you some Valentine's Day winning picks. So let's bring in Chris Lewart, my co-host. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing well. I went to the store this morning, had to you know pick up the essentials, the diapers, the baby food, the little crunchies, um, and noticed uh, quite the long line at the floral department. Pretty uh, pretty funny. It reminds me of my, my younger years when I, of course, waited to the last minute and uh, would be waiting, you know, nine, pe- nine people deep at the florist at the market. Yeah, it, it is funny. I mean, Valentine's Day is not unique to this. You see that, you know, on Christmas or on Thanksgiving or um, various other holidays. But this is the one where almost everyone's got something or someone to get something for, whether it be, you know, a, a significant other, a a daughter, uh, you know, a, a mom, a grandma, whatever. Everyone's got a Valentine interest, even if you, you know, you're single and you don't actually have that significant other. Um, but you're right. I, I went to Walgreens this morning. There was tons of people there, you know, buying cards, buying chocolates. It, it's funny how you can't really plan ahead. This is a holiday that's tough to plan ahead for, though, right? You can't buy flowers a week ago and deliver that's them right. today. You know, chocolate, cards, those things. Obviously, you can obviously uh, plan ahead for, but. Um, it's not always easy. It's human nature to procrastinate, and it sounds like it got the best of us and others around us as well. So we will talk about the uh, the Super Bowl game, of course, last week. It was a surprising outcome, but if you listen to this podcast, you did get the correct pick on both the Bucks and, I believe, a total as well, and both of us were hot on some of our props. However, we're going to go ahead, since we're recording this Sunday afternoon, we're going to dive right into the NBA that way. If you're hanging around and you have the Sportsbook page up and ready to go. We'll give you our picks so you can find them in for tonight's games. We have the Los Angeles Lakers, his three-point road favorite, taking on the Denver Nuggets. Total of this one is 217. Like I said, the Lakers are three-point road favorites. This one's tonight at 7 p.m. Lakers, Chris, are on a seven-game winning streak. They've won 10 of 12. Nuggets have been ice cold. And, of course, these two team, teams met 10 days ago. February 4th, LeBron recorded a triple-double in that one. The Lakers won 114 to 93. Of course, Mile High City, the, the arena formerly known as the Pepsi Center, a difficult place to play. A lot of star power for the Nuggets. This was our matchup last year in the Western Conference Finals. But who you got today, Chris? Lakers at Nuggets. Seems like I'm always picking against the Lakers, uh, but it's a public team. I think we've gone over before that when you're a big public team like that, you tend to take the other side because that's where the value ends up lying, uh, or that's where the spread gets moved, and, and that's where you should be. So I like the Lakers probably to win this game, but the bet here is Nuggets plus three around minus 110. Don't go too north of that. And then if you want another one, Nuggets first half plus two also around minus 110. If I'm only going to pick one of those, I'm going to do Nuggets first half because I think the Lakers might might turn it on here late and make it a repeat. I can almost promise you I lost money on that first game where I probably had the Nuggets like plus five or something, and then they got they got smoked a little bit. 
Yeah, the Lakers in this winning streak, uh, three overtime games, a couple of close calls. They had they were down 20 points in the first five minutes of the game, their last game against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, they have pretty consistently started slow and, and have come back. So definitely have that opportunity available to you. If you have live betting, make sure you you, you pay attention because the Lakers could absolutely uh, get to that one. I like first half as well. I also like Nuggets first quarter. They're plus half a point. It is uh, The juice is on the Nuggets at minus 125. However, I do think it's going to be really important for the Nuggets team to get off to a hot start. As we mentioned, the Lakers have not been playing well up front in games, specifically their last game to Memphis. So we both agree here. I like the Nuggets in the first quarter plus half point. You like the Nuggets in the first half. Uh, and you also like the Nuggets in the whole game. I would not take the Nuggets plus three. The Lakers are uh, playing really well right now. And uh, they're never out of games. You know, we were talking about this off air. But it feels like right now LeBron is making that push for MVP. He's playing great ball. He's playing a lot of minutes. And most importantly for MVP, you need to be a very good team. And, and the Lakers are just that right now. And they're making pushes towards that even further. So we both like the Nuggets early on. But don't be afraid to take the Lakers uh, if they do get down. And, of course, future bets. We didn't talk about this. But LeBron right now, on-on favorite. Pretty amazing stuff here as a 36-year-old man playing uh, perhaps the best ball of his career. You know, LeBron, Tom Brady, both these guys. If you could, if you'd have told me 10 years ago these guys are both be playing at a very, very high level in the year 2021, it would be certainly incredible. All right, the other LA team is in action tonight as well. The Clippers are 11.5 point home favorites to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Colin Sexton's been surging. He's playing great this year. However, the Clippers also playing good basketball. They're 11.5 point favorites tonight. The total in this one, Chris, is 221. The high totals continue. Who you got here? Cavs at Clippers. Uh, is it a tempid or hot take to say that I think the Clippers are better without Paul George? At least on the offensive end, I think Kawhi does too much deferring to him, and I think uh, the streakiness of Paul George. Yeah, he puts up 35 one night, and then other nights he takes 11 three pointers and only hits two of them. And uh, the Clippers look poor. Uh, I hope they learn something from this, and I hope they start running a majority of their offense through Kawhi, at least in the playoffs, and tell Paul to spend his energy on defense. I just think they're a better team that way. This whole Paul George is a superstar thing is is baloney basically he's a good defender who's tall and lanky i digress clippers money line try and get this around minus 600 minus 575 is where i got it but it's been creeping up you don't want to go more north of minus 650 that's a really tall price to play but clippers money line is is the price around minus 600 that's where the value lies you mentioned it. Kawhi Leonard's been amazing lately. He's got over 30 points in back-to-back games. In the last game, he had his uh, tied the season high in 14 made field goals, but off only 21 shots. So his most efficient yeah, night definitely. of the year. And that's without, you know, he didn't shoot very particularly well from downtown. One of six from Mount York. If he makes a couple more of those, you know, we're talking about potentially getting up into 40. Uh, he's been awesome this year. So I'm going to go ahead and I like the Kawhi over for the points total. Um, I do like the Clippers to cover this as well. 11 and a half seems relatively easy. So I like that as well. Um, but uh, you like them straight money line and you, you give a good price for it as well. So I, I can't find right now the Kawhi points total, but go ahead and just take it blindly. I think it's one of those ones where we have a, a chance to see him go over this total for against probably 26 and a half, 27 and a half is my guess. Uh, this should be one. And it's a high total as well. So Kawhi, don't be afraid to take that one. And he's due for a good shooting night as well. Only hit one three, like I said, in their last game Friday against the Chicago Bulls. So uh, the Clippers playing good basketball. Could we finally see it, Chris? See a Staples Center hallway series every year. It seems like we're on a collision course for these two teams. And every year, usually it's the Clippers. Someone ends up losing prematurely, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope I hope we do because that's uh, – you know, there's not – 
no matter what mainstream media tries to do to kind of pump it up to get you excited about some of these matchups, you just, you know, I don't, am I excited about watching the Lakers play the Mavericks in the first round? No, not really. Cause I think the Lakers are going to stop them and Luca's going to have one really good game and that'll be that. Right. I want to see a game where the teams mostly don't like each other, which is, is kind of rare in sports where everybody daps everybody up before everybody game. Uh, but I don't think this is the case. I don't think Kawhi cares about what anybody thinks of him. I think Patrick Beverly genuinely dislikes people and uh, I would like to see this. I hope I hope it finally happens. This would be the reward, certainly, to watch them play. It'd be a lot of fun. And, you know, I think it's probably the two best teams, at least in the Western Conference. So you want to see that anyways, even if there wasn't some additional intrinsic value here for us Angelinas. But both teams are playing great basketball right now. The Clippers are at 19 and 8 overall. And the Lakers, of course, lead the West uh, at, I believe, they're 21 and 11. All right, so let's move on here. Let's talk about, let's recap our NFL season, our Super Bowl Sunday. But first, we want to talk about our sponsor today, of course. That's our friends over at Bet Online. Of course, the Super Bowl's in the real premiere. We've got great basketball. We've got NBA action. We've got college basketball action. There's FCS action. And they've got everything you could possibly handle right there at betonline.ag. So go to betonline.ag. Get all your props. Get all of your bets in at our favorite place, Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk about it, Chris. We're recording this again, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So we are a full week past the Super Bowl, but we do want to recap it just for our own uh, understanding, re- recap the entire NFL season, uh, and look, look ahead to a few things. But first, before we talk about Super Bowl Sunday, let's talk about a huge trade that went down last weekend for the Los Angeles Rams, Chris. Jared Goff goes to the Detroit Lions, two first-round picks in 2022 and 2023, go to the Detroit Lions, and the prize that the Rams get back in return is Matt Stafford. So this is a, this is a lot to unpack here. Number one, the Rams paid a huge price for a somewhat small but pretty mighty QB upgrade. I mean, I think we can both agree Matt Stafford uh, is hands down the better quarterback. However, a lot yeah. of people think that Jared Goff is you know, an average to above-average quarterback. A lot of people think that Matt Stafford isn't quite elite so how big of an upgrade is this to go from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford? And if you agree with that sentiment, was the price that the Rams paid worth it? I think it's enough when you consider where the Rams are. It's worth doing, right? There's no, right, it's winner, it's winner not, right? There's no point in being pretty good, right? There's no point in trying to get 10 wins and get knocked out in the, in the first round, right? So if you get 10% or 15% better at quarterback when you have that defense and your window's closing, right? All these guys are coming up for contracts. You can't keep everybody too much money, all those things. You know, the, the Rams window is one or two more years. So good on them for pushing their chips forward. And if in McVay, we trust, I would be shocked if, you know, management didn't sit down with him and McVay said, listen, I turned Goff into the best version he can be of himself. He's regressed a little bit. He has not gotten better you know, I need somebody who is more cerebral. It can make those reads, right? Where what was it when, uh, you know, uh, Goff was basically a nobody with Jeff Fisher, right? And then McVay comes in and basically gets him to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for one year. So if I'm Goff, don't be don't be angry at McVay, right? He's got you generational wealth. So be happy about that. Uh, but this thing with you know McVay having to call the audibles for him at the line and, and doing all doing a lot of the heavy lifting for reading things, I don't think he's going to have to do that with Stafford. I think Stafford is is a savvy veteran. He's got a big arm. Um, I think it's going to make them a better team, and I think it's worth it because this is what your window is, right? So you get rid of those picks, 
guess what? You're going to be in rebuilding anyway. There's there's no point in being eight and eight, right? You might as well go look at the Jags, right? You might as well go two and you know two and fourteen. It's just that's the way the game should be played, mostly in all sports. So I tip my cap to the Rams for doing it. Um, I think it's going to make them better, and I think it's going. We'll see, right? We'll see with Goff. I think uh, the Lions are not very good in their rebuilding, but I would be surprised if Goff didn't just get absolutely creamed next year without McVay to kind of hold his lunch for him. As a rebuilding team with the Lions, I don't think anyone expects Goff to go out there and set the world on fire. But, um, you know, a couple, a couple things to unpack here. Number one, you, you mentioned um, that really dreadful gear, obviously, with Jared Goff, with Jeff Fisher. Um, it's important to remember that was his rookie year, and he was not set up to succeed. That team was really bad. Yep. And, yes, McVay does deserve a ton of credit, certainly, um, in, in getting him to where he needs to be. And a good, and good point there for you know unpacking that as far as um, Jared Goff owes a lot to Sean McVay. No matter what happens the rest of his career, the dude has made generational wealth, and um, that's amazing. Um, I do think it's a big upgrade. I do. However, th- let's not forget that they gave up two first-round picks here. Um, yes, that in part was because, of course, they had to unload that contract, which nobody in the NFL wanted. Oh. Um, but, you know, they don't have their, their first round pick this year in Jalen Ramsey. And then the two picks are in tw- next year in 2022 and the following year in 2023. So, you know, we're one Matt Stafford injury away or, um, you know, something going wrong away from giving up a, a you know top 10 pick, top 15 pick. That's a very long time from now. The 2023 season, so many things can go right, but so many things can also go wrong. This is one of those trades that will be determined by the product in the field. If they win a Super Bowl, of course, it's worth it no matter what, even if you give up a top five pick. Um, if they don't win a Super Bowl, you may look back in five years and say, hey, uh, that team was completely gutted for you know, three or four <laughs> years. And the reason why is because they gave up two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. They gave up two first-round picks for Matt Stafford. The core aged out. And just like that, they were a bare shelf and a very, very bad team. So we're going to find out a lot about Sean McVay here in these next two years. He has is set up to succeed you know, this defense still has two guys in their prime and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Both those guys are uh, 26 and 29, I believe, respectively. And, you know, Matt Stafford still got a lot left in the tank, you would think, at 33 years old. The offense is primarily locked up. Uh, and they're going to be a generation as a now team in the NFC West. So it'll be determined by, you know, the success in the field. It's it's an aggressive move. And I, and I laud the Rams for doing that. But it could, it certainly could backfire. So we'll see what happens. Moving on, let's recap the Super Bowl. Of course, it was a blowout on the field, 31-9, to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on to win the game 31-9. to Tom Brady wins the seventh Super Bowl and gets the MVP, of course. So what went right, Chris, for the Bucs? What went wrong for the Chiefs? Let's just break this down. Let's just talk about the game itself for just a couple minutes here, uh, and then we'll break down our picks and how we did. I mean, I— it's what I said in the in the Super Bowl episode, but you know they what do they say about boxing? Styles make fights, and uh, Styles made this game. And this is just it was an awesome matchup for the Bucks. I said it then, but the Bucks defensive line and their linebackers are otherworldly, and they were going against a offensive line that was missing some guys and was beat up. And you mix that in with a coach who didn't make adjustments, and also you know suffered a a personal tragedy at the same time. And that's a recipe for a disaster. And when I don't care if you're Mike Vick or you're Patrick Mahomes, when you're getting pressure with the front four and you're running for your life, you're in trouble. And I said it in the Super Bowl episode, so much of this, even at the NFL level is timing, right? When Tariq Hill makes his cut, if the ball's not out and it's not coming there, then he's got to adjust and he's got to come back and it's chaos. Uh, And I said this, you know, off air, right? It doesn't matter whether it's Pee Wee or high school or the NFL, 
once Patrick Mahomes spent a quarter running for his life, he couldn't stop doing it, right? Even on snaps. It was automatic. Yep. He, he bailed even, out very quickly. Yep. Even where he didn't have to, he was bailing out because he, he felt the pressure, right? And that's what being a dominant defensive line will do for you. Uh, the Bucks defense, the front four probably should have been given four MVPs like they do with the turkey legs when Madden used to do that when he gave out the legs. Of course, it was going to go to Brady. Brady had an awesome game, but the defense is what absolutely dominated that. And they they changed the game from the outset, and the Chiefs did not adjust to it. You know, we talked about they needed to be running the ball in the second quarter to take some pressure off, and they didn't do it. You know, they just didn't make the adjustments, and that's this is what happens, right? This is this is what this is what a dominant pass rush will do to you. I think what we the lessons we can learn here is that. You know, you have to trust your eyes, and it's also you don't discredit how difficult it is to win in the NFL. We all season long, you know, uh, um, forgave the Chiefs for not playing their best ball. They didn't. They didn't cover for you know basically a two and a half month stretch from November first, right. the day after Halloween, all the way until the AFC Championship game. This is a team that didn't cover, and then one game they go in there and just beat up the Bills. And you know, we just assume this this is this is finally the team that can turn it off and turn it back on and turn it back off again if they want to. And you just can't do that. You're always gonna run into an opponent that is as good or if not better than you. And you have to be playing your best ball at the at the right time in order to win the Super Bowl. And you know, a lot of people just thought, hey, this is this is a, and myself included, this is even what I said, I think, in my handicap. Everything tells me, everything in my core tells me that this Tampa Bay team is the better team. I usually go by default with the better defense. Usually go by default the team that's winning those close games, the team that publicly is being faded against. And we broke it down, and we said, "Hey, hey, why is this spread three? This feels like it should be more like a pick'em." If you if you just were blindly looking at these two teams, uh, but we, you know, you just buy into the fact that that Patrick Mahomes is different, that Andy Reid can make these in-game adjustments, the team with the experience, which is ironic with playing against Tom Brady, but the team that's kind of like the perceived favorite in the Chiefs and, and the real favorite in the Chiefs can kind of just turn it on when they need to. And, and um, you know, it's an important lesson because you just can't do that. The NFL is not like that. It's not like the nope. NBA. It's not like baseball. Yes, there are teams that go into it. Uh, a 10-6 is a wild-card team, and that's exactly what the Bucks did this year. They were a wild-card team, and they can just turn it on and, and play their best ball when they need to. But in terms of in the moment, in during the season, not playing your best ball until a defined period of time. Um, that's kind of the lesson that I take away from the Chiefs. So I took it on the losing end here. I took the Chiefs minus three. I took the money line. I also liked the over, which I think I thought correlated with Kansas City. We told you if you like the Bucks, you should correlate that with the under. That's exactly what you did. So you had a good game there. You finished the season 36-27-5 overall. Uh, I went 0-2 in my game picks, but I did go 6-2 and in my prop picks. So I finished... 34, 32, and 1. My best bets, 11, 7, and 1. And as we discussed, we probably just should have taken all of our props. I think we even joked we could be here all day breaking yep. down which props we like, which ones we don't like. Maybe we should have done that. Because we were very, very good combined on our props uh, in, in, in the game. In total, of course, we split the difference there with you taking the Bucks and me taking the Chiefs. So overall, good NFL season. Any, any lessons from this year? Anything that you'll do differently moving into next year, assuming COVID's still around for another football season? I'd really like to avoid, I think I had two weeks where I was like 0-5 or 1-4, and and those are frustrating. One of them was the first week of the season, and uh, I, you know, kind of a betting, this doesn't really, I would say it applies to static capital, but it doesn't, because we, if there's value, we'll bet on it. It doesn't matter what, when, where, how, but if you're an individual, I would say 
if you can, you know, kind of keep your powder dry. And this is in all sports, really. Keep your powder dry for a couple weeks, right? If you can do it for one or two weeks and just see how the season shakes out. Obviously, COVID was a was an X factor that that was tough to quantify, and I think I think that hurt me a little early, just because you know home field is considered a three point advantage in the NFL. But okay, now you have no fans, and is that no longer influencing the referees? And how does you know how did that how did that kind of change things? So, you know, from a personal betting standpoint. I probably should have waited, you know, week two, week three before I before I got in there and started betting uh, heavily. Just when you've got too much unknowns, you know, discretion is the is the better part of valor. Valor uh, sometimes in betting, and we say this a lot, right? It's it's not so much about winning all the time as it is about maximizing wins and minimizing losses, and that's and that's part of it is trying to minimize when you don't have all the best information, minimize the amount of money you're going to put in play. Yeah, if you have the discipline, I think it's. Honestly, it's probably best to not bet until October. I think that's a good threshold. That's usually the first four weeks of the season. You know, it's funny. Like, you look back to week one last year, and, you know, the Jags won. That was their only win all season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's things, cha- things change throughout the season. Things especially change, I think, after the first quarter of the season. So that's pretty good advice. Uh, of course, it's, it's easier said than done because you're usually just so excited to have action yeah, and have football back. <laughs> that, is, that is challenging. So, and especially this year, of course, where we didn't think we would necessarily – get the season um you know i look back and i'm just kind of grateful that we had a season at all you know we didn't think we would have football we thought there'd be cancellations we thought there'd be a lot of inequality throughout the season look there were a lot of ups and downs we had you know an early an early afternoon wednesday game we had friday games we had tuesday <laughs> games we had a lot of uncertainty which made things challenging from a better's perspective from a fantasy football perspective from a fan's perspective but you know, ultimately, you got to look back and just just be happy that we had the opportunity to do this. We didn't think we would. We hope, of course, this is the only season like this, but we don't know what the future holds. Um, and, you know, we talked about this in our regular season recap show, but uh, not overreacting to news is definitely a lesson that, that I will take. And I think you also have to have to kind of look back and say, hey, this league is changing. It, it's, it's more passer friendly than ever. It's more offensive friendly than ever. But ultimately... When all the lights are on, when everyone's watching, when you have that extra week to prepare, if there's any doubt in which team is better, just take the better defense. They, they yeah, almost but... always win, you know? Like, And it's funny, I even mentioned this in my handicap, that I thought the Niners were the better team, the better defense. I was very confident that pick last year, and I let you know one kind of just superhuman performance from Patrick Mahomes change the way in which I view the game. And it's really simple. If you have a pass rush and it gets there consistently – you're most likely going to win the game. If you force turnovers, you're going to most likely win the game. If you have less penalties and you take advantage of your opportunities, you play a good field position battle, you're most likely going to win. So everything else is kind of just noise. You know, a team that makes it to the Super Bowl, no matter how ugly they got there, no matter how untalented you think they are, they're really freaking good. Like, it just doesn't matter. If they get to the Super Bowl, you have to give them credit. And I made the mistake of saying, well, you know, they, they weren't even impressive against the Saints. They, they gave up all those yards to Tyler Heineke in the wild card game. And then, you know, they, they barely won against the Packers. They almost blew that game. And all those picks by Brady. It doesn't matter. They got there. They got there in the same way that every other team gets there, by being better than the previous teams that you've played against. Uh, and so you can't discredit that. You can't let your eyes tell your mind what the game is telling you. Uh, and so that's, I think, really the big lesson here is just kind of stick to the basics, stick to what you know. If you lose that way, hats off to the other side. But if you overthink it, like I did, then you look back with regrets. And so that's kind of the lesson I think I gathered uh, this football season. 
This was episode 73. We did give you a little bit of basketball picks off the top there. Um, we talked about Jared Goff's trade. Let's just briefly talk about Trevor Bauer signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they, of course, the rich get richer. The Dodgers now have a historic rotation. Trevor Bauer will be the highest paid player in baseball <laughs> the next two years. The Dodgers uh, look to repeat, of course. Just kind of your general thoughts here. We'll, we'll talk about baseball, maybe some season totals that we like here in, in, the, in the next couple of months. But uh, just, just uh, give me your thoughts on, on Trevor Bauer added to the Dodgers. Yeah, what's the the funny note is that Trevor Bauer is making more than like three teams' entire salary. Uh, good for him, you know. Good for getting as much money as you can. Uh, like Trevor Bauer, he's a good follow on Twitter. Uh, you know, says some clever and funny things. I think you've got, you know, you went to school with him, so you can you can tell some stories. But th- you know, it, it's what I said about the the Rams, right? Like this is the Dodgers' window, right? This is their moment. This is when you're there. You've got a lot of good players on your team. So be it. You have no salary cap. You know, my, my friends in Chicago, right, the White Sox are, are a year ahead or two years ahead of schedule. They look really good in a, in a division that absolutely stinks. Why did they not get Trevor Bauer, right? And that's, I think that's the difference in, in management. And I think, that'll, I think that's going to prove itself out throughout the year. Uh, the White Sox, I think, are going to fall a little bit short. And I think it's going to be because of a reason, like they weren't willing to give $40 million to Trevor Bauer. Who cares? The point is to win a World Series. If you spend $40 million to get it, so be it. I like the way the Dodgers have been managing, you know, the past five, six years running the team because this is their window. Clayton Kershaw's don't grow on trees. Maximize those opportunities when you have that talent. And uh, that's what they're doing. And I think it's going to pay off. And I think, you know, Bauer is going to be – I'm not, not a wins guy, right? I think that's idiotic. Uh, but he is going to give you good, solid outings. He's going to put you in a position to win. Uh, and he's going to have fun doing it, right? He's going to do the, the Vince McMahon or the uh, – uh, the Conor McGregor walk, you know, after a uh, called third strike to in the inning. And I, that's stuff like that, I think, makes makes watching the games fun. The rich get richer. And to be fair, it's not easy to just have an extra $40 million. 40 line around? Very, very few teams can afford that. The Dodgers have now three Cy Young award-winning pitchers on their staff. And one of those is not even Walker Wheeler, who I would assume most people think in baseball will get the Cy Young eventually. So that should be a lot of fun. The Dodgers Stadium hopefully will be able to return as fans sometime this summer. All right, this was episode 73 of Believe in Betting LA for Edgefinder Sports, for Stack Capital, for Bet Online, for Chris Lewis. I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. All my life, I never knew what I could be, what I could do, then we were new. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.